Coming up on today's Locked On Big Ten, we've got Isaiah Hole in to break down the first game of the season for Michigan basketball. They faced a pretty good Buffalo team, but picked up a pretty easy win as well. 12 points, not the most against a mid-major you'd like, but again, that Buffalo team good. We'll get to that with Isaiah to start off the show. And also, a look ahead into the weekend of Big Ten football. A big weekend, as always, coming up. We'll talk to Isaiah about all of it here on today's Locked On Big Ten. You are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening into Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single weekday. Welcome into our Thursday show alongside our Thursday co-host, Isaiah Hole over at Locked On Wolverines and covering the Wolverines at Wolverines Wire for USA Today as well. He joins us every single week to join and talk everything going on in the Big Ten, but as of late, it's been really a first look into the weekend of football, and we'll do the same here today. But Isaiah, as we join you here on the program, thank you for coming on again. Michigan did play basketball yesterday. First game of the season for the Wolverines as we got that first look at what is potentially going to be a really, really good team. It will be a really good team. We know that, but it's how good we'll find out. Michigan ends up taking care of a good Buffalo team, a good Buffalo team. We mentioned that yesterday. Asher Lowe did 88-76, the final score. Hunter Dickinson, 27 points. But there were some bright spots for Buffalo, too. Nathan Williams said 32. Where were you at with the Michigan performance to start off the season? Well, it was a little bit of a tale of two halves, and I know that uh, Buffalo certainly came back and made it uh, made it a game. It's one of those things where I feel like uh, Michigan, a lot of it had more to do with what Michigan was and wasn't doing. Uh, Buffalo obviously was going to take it to them. They were talking a lot of trash. They were the instigators. There were three double technicals called in the game. Each team had 23 fouls apiece. And I think they kind of got in Michigan's head a little bit. Michigan ultimately obviously pulled it off. But um, and I asked Jawan Howard, I said, because the first the first half, you know, Michigan's up 21. It looks like it's going to be a situation where they could win by 40. Uh, but then uh, with just over four minutes left in the game, they're only up by five and they end up pulling out the 12 point win. But it was a situation where I was looking and I said I, I was writing my takeaways during the game. And pretty early, I said, well, they're playing incredibly unselfish basketball. They had 11 assists in the first half, only five in the second. And they, they were sitting at one or two until the waning stages of the game. And I asked Juwan Howard about it afterwards. And he said, well, it's just those shots weren't falling. Like we would have had higher assists. But whenever we were playing unselfish basketball, this just those those shots weren't falling. I didn't necessarily see it that way. There was a couple things that I thought plagued Michigan. Uh, poor free throw shooting was uh, was some of it. Some selfish shot selection. Uh, it just seemed like they were being very impatient uh, at the point when Buffalo was starting to kind of make its run uh, defensively. There were some, some lapses here and there. Uh, I thought it was excellent in the first half. And then when things in the near the end of the first half started kind of falling apart, you started seeing some issues where they were, uh, where they were able to get inside penetration, just right from the top of the key, just go right straight down and, and make either a layup or a dunk little bit concerned about the the perimeter defense which was the issue last year at the beginning of the year and it ended up showing itself up but uh, if, if buffalo could have hit any of those open uh perimeter shots then it would have been a game from the get-go i mean they had 
pretty basically they were able to shoot whatever they wanted from up top. Perhaps that was uh perhaps that was part of the design is hey, let them have that. We'll try to take things away elsewhere. But uh nonetheless, considering it's something that we have seen from Michigan before, that's my concern. I mean, that said, I mean, again, Hunter Dickinson, I thought he was relatively quiet to get to that point score, right? It didn't didn't really feel like if you would have asked me having not, I mean, I've seen the box score obviously, but even like after last night, kind of forgetting about it, be like, Oh, how did, how did Hunter Dickinson do? I'd be like, Oh, he had like 12, 13 points. No, I mean, obviously he had almost 30 points. So uh, obviously that's a bright spot there. Uh, didn't really get to see much of Devonte Jones cause he was in foul trouble. Uh, Caleb Houston was also in foul trouble. Really those two freshmen, Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate, they have to be striking fear into the hearts of any of Michigan's opponents already after one game, because both of them came out and just shined uh, Houston with 11 points. Diabate was seven, but I mean, they did a little bit of everything uh, assists rebounds. Like each of them had the two, three assists. Uh, one of them had five rebounds. The other one had six uh, Diabate had two blocks. Houston had a steal doing a little bit of everything. You can understand why they're five-star players. So uh, you have those guys and they played really good. Uh, and otherwise, I mean, it was just relatively steady. Brandon Johns looked pretty, pretty good when he was in. Uh, he had, uh, I believe he had the highest plus minus. So when he was in the game, uh, it was, uh, that was when things were the most beneficial. And the good news is with a guy like Diabate, they could, they can have Johns and Diabate in, which we saw, or they can take Johns out and put Diabate next to Hunter Dickinson. So much flexibility. With, is what this team has. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how it goes. Yes, Buffalo is a good team. Would have liked to see Michigan assert itself a little bit more or at least it, remain as assertive as they were early. I started kind of hearkening back to that Appalachian State game uh, a couple of years ago when Michigan, it was Juwan Howard's first game. Michigan owned the first half, second half. Things got a little bit lackadaisical. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Certainly they have the chess pieces they need to, be able to be that elite team that we just have to see them really come to fruition there last year. It took until uh, really that Wisconsin game before they started really asserting themselves. So uh, it certainly might just be a work in progress until it gets to that type of point where they go up against a big opponent and then flex. In that same vein, where do you think those freshmen are at just in their growth as players at the college level. I mean, we don't know how long their college careers are going to be, but uh, I guess in the context of this season, how close do you think we are to seeing what those players can really be out there at this college level? Well, I mean, I think we saw it right away. I mean, right. Caleb Houston starting. So, I mean, that's, that tells you what you need to know in, in that sense. I mean, uh, he's, he's not injured like Franz Wagner was at the beginning of his career. So he's got that leg up. He's able to just come in and do what he needs to do. And Diabate, I think, was the first off the bench. Uh, certainly, he probably had the most time off the bench. So I, I think that those guys are ready to go. I think it's more of a question of some of the other guys. We did get to see Frankie Collins a little bit when uh, Devontae Jones was in foul trouble. Uh, so I, that's uh, while they did kind of more want to go to Eli Brooks to be that facilitator. Uh, they didn't seem to be afraid to to throw in the true freshman point guard. He, he's a guy who I would imagine is going to have his red shirt burn because they are going to want to get him experienced. Uh, but then beyond that, I guess it's a question of who else are we going to see? We didn't see the full lineup yesterday. Uh, they did go, I believe, 10 deep, maybe 11, because uh, we saw a couple other guys play. But uh, as far as freshmen, we saw three. I'm also just curious about the sophomores. because I want to see what uh, – what, you know, Jace Howard and Zeb Jackson, what they end up looking like. I'm kind of surprised we didn't get to see them. 
But again, I mean, I think that also speaks to how highly you can think of with uh, Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate, the two five stars. The whole team's going to be really good. As you mentioned, they go 10 deep yesterday and did not go through their entire roster rotation, whatever you want to call it. Michigan basketball, obviously really good. Michigan football, not doing too bad either. We'll talk about what the Wolverines can do on the gridiron this weekend as they face a golf against Penn State, as well as every other team around the Big Ten. There's some big ones this weekend. We'll go over them with Isaiah in just a minute right here on Locked On Big Ten. Today's Locked On Big Ten is brought to you in part by McDonald's. McDonald's has been around the community since 1965, serving everyone the great affordable food that you love, but also helping you make those memories that last for a lifetime. It's not just a place to get great food, but also a place to meet up with friends and family and connect and be able to share some good times together as well. So head on over to your local McDonald's, of course, get the good food at a good price, but also make some new memories too. That's McDonald's. I'm loving it. Welcome back into Locked On Big Ten. It's everything you need to know about the conference every single weekday. Isaiah holds in to chat with us about the Big Ten weekend on the football field week. What is it? 11 now. We're getting into in the college season, Isaiah. Big, big games coming up on both sides of this conference. We'll get to where those lie in just a minute, but there is one. It's still not, not a big one, Michigan against Penn State, but the Nittany Lions now unranked. It is at home in College Park or Park College. I forget. I hey, get college. them mixed up. Yeah, 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 I get them mixed up. Which, which one's which, but anywho. University Park State College. That's what it right. is. Yeah, 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 there you go. Anyway, Penn State is where they're playing. Michigan State's who, or Michigan's who they're playing. And the Wolverines look to get to nine and one to stay in this playoff picture. Penn State's still a good team, Isaiah, obviously. They had the respect of everybody up until the losses that brought them to where they're at now. Well, where are you at with what Penn State will provide for Michigan to try and beat on Saturday? Because it's been kind of a, an up and down season for what Penn State gets there. Well, you have to question Penn State on the offensive side of the ball uh, because you look at what uh, what they are. They haven't they aren't quite what everyone expected. And even though new offensive coordinator Mike Yurchich kind of drew the praise of everybody, it's really not much better than Kurt Chiraca when it really comes down to it. I mean, it's it's got its moments, certainly a bit more than last year, but uh, a lot of it falls on the shoulders of Sean Clifford. Obviously, his favorite target, Jahan Dotson. Uh, that's the duo you really have to stop. But I think the biggest indictment for this Penn State team is everyone was talking about this trio of of running backs and how that the, they might be the best in the Big Ten. And turns out it's, you know, it's when it comes to having a, a group of running backs, it's Michigan that's the one that's got the best rotation. Right now, Penn State with, with Noah Kane and I know Devin Ford hasn't played a ton, but uh, or in Kevon Lee, it's it just has not lived up to expectations. And that makes you think like if you can you can continue to stop the running game or at least as long as it continues to not do a lot, uh, then you really have to just key in on uh, Sean Clifford and Jahan Dotson. It's easier said than done, but and, uh, I think a big part is is how how healthy is Clifford. It seems like at this point he's probably a lot healthier than he was a few weeks ago when he was coming in banged up playing up against uh, Illinois. Uh, obviously a really good defense, but uh, it's even that's fallen off just a little bit over the course of the last uh, couple of weeks. It's not that it's bad. It isn't. It's still one of the best uh, defenses, not only in the in the Big Ten, but also in the in the country. But I believe it's ranked 40th in the country, uh, which is what I expected Michigan's defense essentially to be this year. I did not expect Penn State's to be there, uh, but they're not only 40th in the country, but that's also what they rank according to PFF as far as how they've executed. So you feel like that's probably an appropriate 
place for them. So I, I, my curiosity when it comes to this game for Michigan is how healthy is Michigan? Because you had all kinds of guys leave uh, the, the, this last week. I mean, we haven't seen Donovan Edwards in a couple of weeks, and then Blake Corum leaves after the first or second series against Indiana. You lose Andre Anthony uh, pretty early, who had that coming out game against uh, Michigan State. You lose punt returner slash wide receiver A.J. Henning. Roman Wilson still banged up from the Wisconsin game. So he's still just kind of slowly getting in. Uh, Cade McNamara is banged up and has been in and out. Uh, and then on defense, you also have Jamon Green, the, the corner starting cornerback that you wonder if he's going to be able to go. So I think that's a big, that could play a big part, right? Cause that's a giant part of Michigan's, you know, offense and uh, obviously one starting defensive player. So uh, if, if Michigan's down that much, I mean, you essentially have, have lost, half the offensive production uh and it's a huge blow if michigan isn't able to run out uh blake Corm. granted hassan haskins carried the load last week but if it's not just him because they ideally don't want to run one person 30 40 times they can they said that they don't want to though then you're starting to bring in uh either a true freshman in tavier dunlap or a walk-on in leon franklin uh, both who saw some late time against indiana so uh, I'm curious to see how it goes for, for Michigan in that sense, because I think that when I look at this matchup, Michigan is certainly the more complete team. Uh, Michigan has one of the top offenses in the country, even though it does not seem like it, right? You, you think when you think top offenses in the country, you think high flying, re- you know, really throwing the ball all over the place, but Michigan's running game has been so good that they're all the way up into the twenties, I believe 22 in the country offensively. So it's just that the passing offense isn't up that high. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, uh, especially considering, again, past, past defense they're going up against in Penn State. It could be an opportunity, but you got to have some wide receivers to throw to. And right now, Michigan might not have those guys. So it, that's, I think, going to be the big thing is how healthy is Michigan uh, playing on the road yet again? They've certainly done a really good job as far as going to Wisconsin, going to Nebraska. Now everyone kind of for, you know forgets how those two games went because things didn't go well at Michigan state. So that makes people say like, I'm listening to Sirius XM this morning and, and they're, you know, they're saying like, well, Michigan hasn't really won games like this. That's like, wait, they just won two just like this essentially. So, uh, but you know, you get the short-term memory. And so I'm curious to see, will they be able to do what they did more early in the season? It looked like they were going to do against Michigan state. Uh, but uh, at, at least for Michigan's defense's sake, number six in the country, they don't have to go up against a game-breaking running back, which has been kind of the issue that's plagued them in some of these types of games. 2017, Saquon Barkley. 2019, at Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor. So that makes you feel like, all right, you know, as long as you can can limit Jahan Dotson, you are probably got a good shot. You mentioned Michigan has the more just all-around well-rounded team compared to Penn State, which is obviously true. Is there a point with these injuries that the Wolverines are dealing with, obviously Penn state has its own where if Penn state looks pretty healthy and Michigan state looks pretty unhealthy, that that changes in your mind. Could the Nate Lions get that kind of advantage just based off of who's on the field? I mean, absolutely. I mean, we don't know yet if Sutherland and Lucada are playing. So, I mean, that would, if you're taking away the pass rush for Penn state and Michigan's offensive line being what it is. And, I mean, you don't want to give Cade McNamara the time or J.J. McCarthy, whoever's back there, the, the just all the time in the world to try to look for guys downfield. 
uh, because that's, that's how they shred you. You know, that's what we saw against Michigan state. Now, Michigan state has the best, or sorry, the worst pass defense in the country. So that makes you wonder it, it could, was Michigan's pass offense that good, or was that just part of playing an awful, awful passing defense? But yeah, I mean, if, if with the amount, the sheer amount of guys that could be out now, I don't think they will be because talking to Jim Harbaugh after the Indiana game, he seemed very unconcerned, right? He like normally he would be like, well, I don't know. We'll see, you know, we'll get to the week and we'll find out. And he did say that this week, but after the game, he was just kind of like, eh, you know, <laughs> like it was just <laughs> like, it, 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 it had this feeling of like, yeah, we probably could have played pretty much all of them. Not all of them. I mean, Blake Corum was in a walking boot uh, at, after halftime, but kind of felt like eh, they could probably have played if this was in Indiana, but it wasn't the case. So uh, I feel like Michigan's probably going to return a lot of guys, but yeah, anytime you you're missing key players with injury and when you're missing potentially the sheer volume that Michigan could be missing. Yeah. It could be, could be an issue for sure. That's received from coach there. Hopefully everyone gets out there for Michigan this weekend. It'll be a good one again, Michigan at Penn state, that one's at uh, a noon game on ABC, actually, as Big Ten takes over that network. Big Ten had been dominating the Fox noon games, but now gets the Disney one. Anyway, moving over to the other side of the conference, Minnesota plays against Iowa on Saturday. I almost said today. I forget what days we were recording. And Might as well be stuff. today. You know, yeah, just, I know. Just, <laughs> Minnesota let, plays. Let no one see how this goes. Plays Iowa on Saturday. Iowa's number 20 at 72. Michigan is six and three. You alluded to it. These two teams have just been, again, really good at times. I mean, they've both been ranked, but also just when they lose, have been kind of head scratchers in the way that they lose because it's just so different from the way that they've won games. Iowa's minus five and a half. Iowa obviously has the historical edge over the Badger or the Badgers, the Gophers, and PJ Fleck in this particular rivalry. What are you thinking about the matchup in Iowa this weekend? And can the Gophers change things? I mean, who knows what's going to happen in this one? It's, <laughs> it's a tale of two banged up offenses that can't really do anything sometimes and sometimes can do everything, right? Like Iowa was, you know, even when it was starting to be ranked really early, it wasn't until that Maryland game when he said, okay, maybe this is a top team because they're just, you know, Petrus is throwing all over the place and they're obviously aided by a defense that's intercepting the ball like crazy and all, all that kind of stuff. And suddenly it looks high flying thought felt like maybe they were just saving it. And, but then we see what happens against Purdue and we see what happens. I know they won against Penn state, but, mm -hmm. and then even just the, you know, the most recent uh, recently with when it looks like, okay, they look like they might be without Petrus. Minnesota is a, is a team that every time that you start to get faith in them, they do something stupid, like lose to Illinois or Bowling Green. Every time that Minnesota, I start to think like, this might be the best team on the West. It does something to prove that why it's not. And uh, again, they're very banged up. Obviously they have been through how many running backs now? It seems like they cannot keep a running back healthy, but as long as that line exists, it seems like you and I could run for 300 yards behind it. So but the, I think the big thing as well is Tanner Morgan. Tanner Morgan has not looked like the senior uh, that you would, would expect. He does not look like the 2019 number two quarterback in the conference. I mean, he was talked about as a first round draft pick at that point. Now uh, he looks barely more capable than Brandon Peters. So that's not exactly what you want. So it's going to be a, a situation where you've got two really good defenses because both of those uh, both of those uh, units have really stood up 
regardless. But who's so who which offense is going to have more ability against that defense? This is going to be a low scoring game, probably. And it's now that I say that, because I say that it's going to go the opposite and it's going to be some crazy shootout uh, inexplicably. But uh, I, I just don't feel very good about either offense right now. Uh, I, I have more faith, I think, in Tyler Goodson than any uh, anyone else uh, as far as be you know offensive weapons. But at the same time, I, I think Minnesota's got the better offensive line, but they're going up, I think, against the better defense and the Iowa defense. So it's uh, I think Iowa will win it in a close one, low scoring. I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't get out of the single digits. I think I predicted 17 to 13 regardless but i mean i wouldn't be surprised if this was a 9-6 game it's it could be that ugly i could see it going as we you mentioned really any way at all i mean this is a game where as i talked about no one really knows exactly what these two teams are going to bring out every single time that they come out on the football field if both teams come out and play the football game that they want to play even this game stays really close i could see minnesota just coming out playing well and blowing out Iowa. I could obviously see Iowa coming out and blowing out Minnesota as they have before. It's just a game where it's going to come down to what version of each team we see on the gridiron on Saturday. But I think you're right. It's going to be a little bit of a grinder, definitely a low scoring game. We'll talk about it tomorrow more with Matt Sheehan, but that over under lower than the over under for Wisconsin Northwestern this weekend. So that gives you a little bit of context as to what Vegas thinks about that game. Back over onto the east side of the Big Ten, Isaiah. Ohio State faces off against Purdue this weekend, a game that a few weeks ago we were we had circled a whole lot of Ohio States as this one's going to really be a big one. This was not one of them, but Purdue is now number 19 in the college football playoff. So let's talk about this offense for the Boilermakers. It seems to be the only one that's done anything comparable to what Ohio State's been able to do against good teams consistently, put up points against Iowa, put up points against Michigan State. What can it do against Ohio State this weekend? Because the Buckeyes are a different animal. They're a different animal on offense, but not necessarily on defense. I mean, I think that Ohio State's defense is a slightly better version of what Michigan State presents. It's, I, I think, I'm trying to remember offhand here, but I believe that their pass defense was something like, uh, it was somewhere in the 90s nationally. It's not, this is exactly the type of offense that Ohio State certainly doesn't want to face. And considering that the offense hasn't looked that good against pretty good defenses lately. It's not exactly an ideal situation for Ohio state. Uh, I, I regret last week, not outright picking Purdue to beat Michigan state because oh. my best judgment told me that that was going to happen. And I wrote in my predictions column that that was on the table. It was very likely, and I still couldn't pull the trigger. So I, I rectified that and I have already gotten hate mail this morning from Ohio state fans literally gotten it got you know, like people in my dms and my like going on to say Facebook. nobody nobody wrote you a letter <laughs> they, they no, I, there wasn't that if, much effort okay if, if they did i won't get it until i'm in state college yeah. because i just posted the article last night but <laughs> i am predicting purdue to, to get the upset because i don't think they're too scared of the moment right they can go into columbus and get a win right because they went into Iowa and did the same. And then they hosted Michigan state and did they're not afraid of playing the big bad wolf. You know, they've taken down the number two team. They've taken down the number three team. Now they're going up against the number four team. And I think they're playing with a lot of confidence. And when considering yes, Ohio state's defense does look a lot better than it did earlier in the year. Uh, I still think that Purdue, I mean, it's, 
they're not necessarily going to be trying to run the ball. And that's where Ohio state has really shored up its defense is being able to stop and stop the run, which is what it wasn't able to do earlier in the year, but it's given up a lot in the past. And Purdue is not going to even, you know what, if that's what, what you want to do, you're playing right into Purdue's hands. And then on the other side, uh, Purdue is one of the few teams that was able to slow down Kenneth Walker and they were able to slow down uh, both the passing game and the running game for Iowa. So and considering that CJ Stroud hasn't exactly and the, and the wide receiver unit hasn't quite looked like you would expect or like it did when it was playing some teams that didn't necessarily have defenses. I mean, Ohio State should have lost to Nebraska, but Nebraska did what it does, which is lose close games. And then uh, Ohio State certainly was in a fight with not what looks to be not that great of a Penn State team. Uh, it, it's it's starting to look a little bit more like the Ohio State that we saw early in the season, not the one that was out there uh, beating these uh, also rans uh, the way that you would expect Ohio State to. So Purdue's got a little bit of everything, and I think that they've got enough to to do it. Now, my me predicting Purdue to win, I, I put that on a confidence level of one out of ten, right? Like if this isn't me saying like, yeah, it's happening. Go to Vegas and put everything on it. I'm putting the least amount of confidence on it because it is still Ohio state. It is still Purdue. However, Purdue's shown that it can do it and it plays it's all of its strengths play directly into Ohio state's weaknesses and Purdue is a three loss team. They have lost games that certainly, I mean, they lost to Minnesota and obviously Minnesota's pretty good most of the time, but like that, that time it was the thought was, Hey, they're, they're not going to, you know, they certainly aren't going to lose this game. They lost to Notre Dame. Okay, that makes sense as well. But I think that they've they've got the elixir to being able to take down the Buckeyes if the Buckeyes remain at the same level it has the last two weeks. So it's it's more incumbent upon Ohio State to really rise to the occasion. And I know it sounds weird to say they have to do it against Purdue, but I mean, if if they don't, if they go out and play the same type of game they did the last two weeks, I mean, they're they're not escaping this one with a win. And obviously, the, the ratifications of that loss, it, we've seen them already. Iowa, Michigan State, the, those teams are going to have a hard time. At least Iowa's already, already all the way out. Michigan State going to have a hard time getting its way back in if it doesn't get some more help the rest of the way. It's still a three-touchdown spread right now. So, again, it's not like anything that you're going to be watching intently from the start. But maybe, you know, we got other good games on at the same time. You see across that ticker that it's close in the third quarter. That's when you start to maybe to pay attention and see what Purdue can do in that game if you're not a Boilermaker or Buckeye fan. Isaiah, thanks for joining us as always on a Thursday to talk games. We went over the few big ones. We do have other matchups to talk about. Michigan State plays Maryland. Rutgers faces off against Indiana. Wisconsin's hosting Northwestern. None of those games really have the kind of weight or intrigue. I don't think. I, how can you maybe, say that Michigan State, Maryland? So again, I was going to say, yeah. One Michigan of the best State, pass Maryland. offenses against the worst pass defense in the country. I still pick <laughs> Michigan State to win because Maryland is allergic to defense, but it could it could be an interesting game if it's a shootout situation. The big question is, which Talia Tagovailoa do you get? You, you, you're going to get one that's going to throw for four or 500 yards in this game. The question is, is does he have one touchdown and four interceptions or does he have four touchdowns and one interception? That's going to be the big, uh, the big thing that tells you what this game is. Yes, I agree. That is the other game to potentially watch out on that one will be on Fox at uh, 3 PM central time start. I guess if you're local in East Lansing, that would be 4 PM on the Eastern time. 
Isaiah Hole's with us here every single Thursday to talk Big Ten scores all throughout the weekend. And of course, we don't have any sort of upsets yet this weekend, but Isaiah's picked his. It seems like there's been one every week. Keep an eye on those Purdue Boilermakers, a good team. But again, don't, don't put him to it if Ohio State just keeps being Ohio nope. State. No more angry letters. I've been giving Ohio State so much love all year, even when they didn't deserve it. And uh, just because I'm picking that doesn't mean I don't have faith in Ohio State. It's just it's more that what Purdue's doing right now. All right. Well, I doubt you'll find a whole lot more Ohio State love over on Locked On Wolverines, where Isaiah Hole is every weekday. But if you need to stay up to date on what's going on with Michigan and the Wolverine programs, you can follow the podcast there, wherever you're listening to the show now. Follow Isaiah on Wolverine's wire as well. He's covering the team with USA Today and keeping you up to date every day on what's going on with those squads. Thanks again for coming on, Isaiah. We'll talk to you again next week and appreciate your time as always. Awesome. Thank you. Today's Locked On Big Ten brought to you by betonline.ag. This is our online sportsbook partners because they have everything that you could possibly want out there for your sports betting needs. BetOnline has all the props and lines that you could ever want, of course, but they've got a brand new website up too to make everything look really smooth and nice. If you've been a sports better for a while now, you know that the websites that you have out there aren't always exactly up to date as far as how sleek they look. Bet online, you don't have that problem. You don't have the problem of having to stress about anything that you're putting a bet on. The information's all there. It's all clear and available to you to see exactly what you're doing. And again, if you use our promo code locked on when you sign up, you get a 50% welcome bonus. Again, that's locked on when you sign up for 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Thanks again for joining us today on Locked On Big Ten. Another big thanks to Isaiah Hole for joining us here on the program on a Thursday. And once you're done with here and you make Locked On Big Ten your first listen every day, make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Tomorrow we've got Matt Sheehan to talk about more of, well, the bets around the Big Ten. We have to get someone in from Locked On Bets in here soon on a Friday show. Your boy Q, I'm sure, would be more than willing to get in with us and talk bets with us at the college level, too. That's for another time. But tomorrow we'll have Matt Sheehan on again to talk about all the bets around the Big Ten. What will he think about that Minnesota-Iowa under we mentioned with Isaiah earlier in the show? That's all coming up again tomorrow on our program as we wrap up the week. This has been Locked On Big Ten.